Well, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas to you all. This has got to be one of the two great mornings in the life of the church. Christmas, it all began, and Easter, it was all one. There are two sides of the same coin, so it's just a joy to be here this morning. I'm just to share some good news with you at the beginning of this service. At the beginning of the first service, one of your elders came up to me and said, I'm looking forward to your speaking. And I said to him, well, you better pray for the sermon. And he said, okay, I will. And I noticed I ended 10 minutes early, um, which is proof of the scriptures. You ought to always pray without giving up because thereby strange things do indeed happen. I wish we could be transported 10 years back and we were in Miami only for the reason that I had a friend there with the most beautiful, deep bass voice. He had actually had a career for a while in Los Angeles doing a late night show where he played jazz and read poetry and, you know, this booming bass voice in the middle of the night sort of thing. Um, and he would read scripture on a Sunday morning like this um, when he had a really important scripture and you wanted it to come across. Back in those days, there wasn't a video feed, but there was an audio feed. And we would always get emails from people. Who is that guy with the voice of God? Well, I don't have the voice of God, but we do have the word of God, and I'm going to read it to you. You may never have heard it before, but I'm guessing that you probably have. But it's just an awesome, beautiful story. It's a story of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, because they knew he was going to try and kill this newborn king. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So, of course, he could go kill him. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written in the prophet Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler, and this is right out of Ezekiel now, and who will shepherd his people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He wants to know how old this baby is so he can find him. And he sent to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. Sure. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country by another way. I suppose um, one of the more popular carols these days, uh, at least with a Christian theme, you know, after you wipe out all those non-Christian themes like um, grandma got run over by a reindeer and all of those, the, the most popular one, at least with a Christian theme, has got to be the little drummer boy. Ah, okay, you're going to tell me you know it's not in the Bible, Pastor. Yeah, I figured that out. But it is sort of Christian, isn't it? it? I mean, it really fits in. A little poor boy coming to Jesus, born in his poverty, and giving him what he could and what gifts he had that he could offer to King Jesus. 
Uh, back in my day, the one I loved was we three kings of Arya and Tar. Bearing our gifts, we come from afar. Okay, you're going to tell me now there's no indication that there was just three of them. All right, all right. I even know that in the Christian tradition, it has been said there was 12 of them. And before the sermon is over, I'm even going to give you the name, the three of them. It's just tradition. Okay, I know that. And by the way, pastor, there's no indication that they were kings either. And I know that too. But it doesn't change the fact that I love we three kings of Orientar. Uh, One of the reasons um, that I really grew to love it is because I went to boarding school way up in the mountains of Jamaica. And by this Sunday, you know, it was that time of year when we were going to be finally released out of prison and get to go home. And heading home for Christmas was exciting. And the indication that we were at the end is because on this Sunday at night, we'd have a chapel and everybody had to go to chapel. And the highlight of the chapel was singing We Three Kings of Orientar. And the reason we looked to We Three Kings of Orientar was <coughs> we wondered who would get to play the part of Gaspar and uh, Melchior and Balthasar. One occasion, I got asked to sing the p- person of Gaspar. He was supposed to be the alto. Um, but back then, even more than now, I had a, you know, an okay soprano voice. So they asked me to sing. But the question was, who would get to sing Balthasar? Balthasar had to be the biggest, baddest kid in the, in the entire school with the deepest bass voice. That's who would get to sing it. As long as he could even basically carry a tune. The year I sang Gasper, um, they asked a kid called Moore to do the part. Now, if you know anything about soccer, Moore was the right back of the defender. And Moore was built like a truck. I mean, he was strong and he was big and he was bad and he had a bass voice. And so he got to sing it. And Moore was the kid, you know, who as right back, if if he cleared the ball, it it was liable to go into the goal at the other end. Okay, it's Sunday morning. I'm not telling you a lie. That's called an exaggeration. But that's who Moore was. And so Moore got to sing the part of the deep, the bad, the bass voice as the kings came in bringing their gifts to the Lord. But the reason I'm so fond of that story and share it with you is that a few years ago, my brother who has been involved in a death mission in Cuba was getting off the plane coming back from Cuba in Kingston because you have to go through Kingston to get to Cuba. And as he comes off, who is there in the crowd but more? The biggest and the baddest of them all. And Moore looked at my brother and said, Clarkie, what are you doing coming off a plane from Cuba? And so he shared with him that, well, he goes over to Cuba regularly, is involved in a deaf ministry. And he said, you have got to meet my wife. That's her over there, the one with the big five suitcases beside her. She's turned a Christian on me. And she goes over to Cuba once a month for a ladies' Bible study and bringing clothes and food and, and everything that they need. And I just thought, oh my goodness, how awesome is this that the Lord is beginning to move in on more, the biggest and the baddest of them all, because now his wife, as he says, has gone and turned a Christian on me, and I just hope Fidel doesn't do her in. The thing about these wise men is this. They represent us all in that they were Gentiles. We we didn't realize it when we were singing the carol back there in high school with names like (coughs) Clark and Moore and Dadlani and Lee. 
that, you know, from European, African, Indian, and Chinese descent, that that's who the three kings were. They were coming from the east. They were coming from the farthest parts of the world. They were the Gentiles, and they represent you and me, and they represent the fact that the Lord is calling us into the manger to worship King Jesus on this Sunday morning. And so it's just absolutely extraordinary when you think about it that today, for example, and it's not just anecdotal evidence, tons and tons of people are coming to Christ in Cuba. And again, it's not just anecdotal evidence. It it is absolutely the case that in Iran, for example, there is a virtual Christian revival going on. There are more Christians in Iran this morning than in their entire history put together. Why? Because the Lord said they will come in from the ends of the earth and I will bring them in. And because indeed those kings represent you and me from the far-flung parts of the world coming in to come down and to worship King Jesus. My, My brother shared with me that Fidel's regime, of course, he's dead now, has finally caught up with a key lady that he worked with in Brazil and that um, she had to flee the country. And he said, I thought she was going to have refugee status and and come here to the States. And she said, are you kidding? You got enough Christians up there in America. I'm going to Brazil to go and work among the deaf. And so here is the Lord on this Sunday morning, drawing us in from the ends of the earth, coming like the wise men to bow down at the feet of King Jesus. <coughs> but the, the second thing is, they um, not only represent us all, but the second thing is, they, 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 they seemed um, to have an understanding of the nature of the times, and, and they, was, they were determined to find out what was really going on. Virgil, who was a Roman poet, was writing his messianic ecologue at this time, which was talking about the golden days to come. And Suetonius, a Roman biographer, tells us, quote, there had spread over all the Orient and all an established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. And Tacitus, another historian, described as one of the world's greatest historians, by the way, tells us there was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and the rulers coming from Judea were to acquire universal empire. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that the Jews had the belief that, quote, about that time one from their country would become governor of the habitable earth. Now, the Lord has some strange ways of bringing in the wise men. I mean, they appear to be astrologers to study the skies. And the Lord reaches down to them and gives them a sign in the heavens that causes them to follow the star all the way over to Bethlehem. But the thing about them is not that they, they wanted, like a lot of people during this time, when the Bible calls this the fullness of time Christ was born, It's not just that they recognized something big was going down. It was that they were determined to be a part of it. And they were determined, whatever it took, to find this King Jesus. And they were determined to find the King of the Jews and to bring them their treasures and to lay it at his very feet. 
On inquiry, they come to understand what the scripture says. It is from Micah 5.2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, from you shall come a ruler, we heard this last week, who shall shepherd my people Israel. They were determined to know this man. They were determined to find this king. They were determined to bow down before him and understand who he was and what he was and indeed what he is indeed all about. And it seems to be that though God gave them this providential sign up there in the heavens, you know, the Lord can do that if he wants. We had an Iranian Christian in our church in Miami and um, when I asked her how she came to Christ, she said, I had a dream one night and Jesus appeared to me in a dream and said, if you go to church, I'll meet you there. And you were the closest church. So here I am. He can do that if he wants. But somehow it wasn't just that they were to go. They knew that he was the king of the Jews. And where did they get this idea? Not from the stars that they were, that he would be the king of the Jews. And so it has been suggested that they probably were from Babylon. Going back to the time of Ezekiel with a big group of Jewish exiles living there. And though many of them had come home, not all of them. There was, there was still a strong community of Jews back there in Babylon. And maybe they had been influenced by these Jews. And maybe they had heard the scripture. I mean, take for example... This scripture from Isaiah chapter 60, which talks about a, a rising light and, and um, indeed talks about kings and talks about offerings. And that's, by the way, it's from a passage like this. We get the idea that maybe they were kings. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness cover the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They shall come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters will be carried on your hip. Then you shall see and be radiant and your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephor and all those from Sheba will come. And they shall bring gold and Frankenstein and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? that the um, religious leaders who told Herod that he was going to be born in Bethlehem gave him the news, but they weren't determined to find the king, were they? It's interesting, isn't it, that the secular authorities um, knew where Jesus was to be born and they were determined to destroy him if they could, and we know that the Lord is providentially covering them. But it's interesting, isn't it, that it's the wise men from the ends of the earth that they come diligently seeking Jesus and that they are determined to understand what indeed it means to worship the king of the Jews. If you're a Christian this morning, but you know, it's kind of got old to you. 
The time has come once again to discover the delight in the heart of these wise men as they came to worship Jesus. And if you are not yet a Christian, and my emphasis here is on yet, I want you to know the Lord is bringing you in just like he brought in the wise men. And he's bringing you in because the wise man knew something was going down. And you, if you're here this morning and you have not yet become a Christian, you are here, I promise you, because you think there's got to be more to life than McDonald's and Burger King. And I've got to find King Jesus. And I've got to learn something more about this Jesus. And so welcome, because these wise men represent you and they represent me, and they are indeed coming on in. So they not only represent us, and they're not only determined to find King Jesus, but they absolutely delight and are just filled with joy when they do indeed find King Jesus. They understand that they have brought gifts for a king, and they are coming and they're asking this question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Maybe again from the exiles in Babylon, they heard Psalm 72, which is the famous psalm to do with who the Messiah would be. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May his name endure forever and his fame continue as long as the sun. May peoples be blessed in him and all nations call him blessed. There's a famous church father. His name is Arjun, and he was the head of a catechistical school in Alexandria, Egypt, in the third century. Um, I know we tend to think that those areas of the world are not highly Christian populated. <coughs> Excuse me, they actually were and still are. And he suggested that the gold was for a king, that indeed the myrrh was to show his true humanity, that one day he would be embalmed and he would die, and that the frankincense was a sense of, of his divinity because it was used in worship and praise of the gods. And, and, you know, that's kind of maybe just a little bit sentimental, but there is some truth to it. Or if you go to our We Three Kings of Orientar, the gold is for the king and the myrrh is for the one who is going to die. And the frankincense is for the one who, who is the priest and, and the one who will be our savior. And either way you read it, whether there were three kings or not, or whether the gold and the frankincense and myrrh had particular significance, either way you read it, when they came and they found King Jesus, what we discover is that they take delight in him. Here it is. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is what I want you to realize this morning. The writer to the Hebrews says, now is the day of salvation. 
just as they were determined to find the meaning of King Jesus. So now is the time when we must come in with delight and with joy and we bow down and we worship him because we find him who is the king of the Jews. You know that little phrase, the king of the Jews, where we found it out last time. I said it's just four words in the first service and I remembered it was five. The king of the Jews will be over his name on the cross. And so this one is the king of the Jews because this one brings us our salvation. This one takes his blood and washes away all of our sins and drowns them in the sea of forgetfulness. This one clothes us in his righteousness and his humility. This one, as the text tells us again, shepherds us, walks with us, leads us, guides us through sickness and health, through, through wealth, through poverty, through life and in death. It doesn't matter. King Jesus is the one in whom our hearts delight this morning. You have not yet come to Jesus Christ. I welcome you this morning. This is our heart's desire. This is our soul's delight. This is the one who we love. This is the one who laid down his life for us. This is the one who will take it up on Easter Sunday in victory for us. This is the one who we delight in, who is our peace, who is our joy. And this is the one who the wise men come from the ends of the earth doing what they may that they might find him. Search diligently, come joyfully, for he's the shepherd of Israel. And with the shepherds this morning and the wise men and the angels, we come to him in his humility. We bow down before him and we worship him with thanksgiving. Shall we pray?